0: Hello everyone. Today I am sitting down to chat with three mothers, Irene, Jen, and Kelly. These three ladies are parents and friends and include one public health communicator, one elementary school teacher, and one environmental educator. They are on a mission to get outside with their children and share all about how everyone can benefit from the outdoors and their non-judgmental outdoor puddle parenting community. I will link to their community in the show notes for you. In today's episode, we talk about getting our children outdoors and specifically about child-led hikes. This is a great way to introduce your kids to the outdoors or a good option if you live in an urban area and want to get out once or twice a week to enjoy outdoor space by driving to a hiking area. Let's dive in. Just a little disclaimer before we start this episode, this podcast does not provide medical advice. The information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. No material on this site is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All right, everyone. We have Jen, Kelly, and Irene here with us tonight. And we will be talking about the importance of outdoor play. We'll be talking about research to kind of back how important it is for our children to be getting outside. And we will also... Talk about child led hikes, which I'm interested to hear about because my kids love going on hikes. So, if we want to just start off with maybe let's just talk about how we're really lacking in today's age when it comes to outdoor play. I mean, I know, I don't know when you guys grew up, but I grew up in the um, 80s and 90s, and I just remember every waking second and spending it outside doing so many crazy things like we would catch caterpillars and we would put them in these little boxes and we'd make a little home for them with like leaves and sticks and then we'd we'd make a huge fort outside we were outside all the time in the winter in the snow i was never even cold it was like one of those things what like do kids even get cold like i don't think so you know just we we spent so much time outside i remember begging my mom i don't want to come home for dinner i'm so busy like doing all these things outside and i don't feel like our you know this this generation of of kids that's been growing up in this new digital age have had the pleasure of experiencing and I know that there is a common middle ground where we can absolutely make it work. I just think we need to be advocating for it more. So if you guys just want to kind of touch on that, I think that'd be a great way to kind of open up.
1: So, I'm Jen and I feel like, yeah, I remember having like similar experience where I was outside all the time in my yard. My sister and I were playing, pretending to be rabbits or mixing mud and water up in like buckets, like all sorts of things. And like my favorite part of the year was going to like a summer camp where we were outside like, you know, 90% of the day. Uh, so, yeah, it was a lot of outside time for sure.
2: Yeah. And we don't see it so much anymore. I, I think that I live in a in a neighborhood where the kids are outside playing a lot. And I feel so grateful for that because I know that's not the norm. I'm a public school teacher and I ask the children, what did you do this weekend? And a lot of times I get to hear about a YouTube show, which breaks my heart. And surely there are still families who are making it a priority and know all the benefits or, or feel the benefits, whether or not they know them. But it, it's definitely something that I wish more, more children were doing.
0: Yeah, for sure. I would love to hear, you know, uh, what you guys think about, like, what is some of the research research say when it comes to outdoor play for our kids? Like why is it important?
1: There are so many things that are, that are benefits from getting outside. Uh, one that is really big is so the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends like a certain amount of physical activity for kids. And for like six and up, it's one hour. For uh, kids, three to five-year-olds, it's three hours per day. And that's that's a lot. And there was like a study that looked at preschoolers to see how much activity they were doing in different settings. So, indoors, they only found like vigorous activity like 1% of the time mm-hmm. compared to outside. So, outside It was like 11% of the time they were active and having visitor vigorous activity like running, jumping, climbing, throwing. And then it jumped even more if the kids were in charge of what that activity looked like. So if the kids were directing like climbing or using the slide or whatever, then they had 17% of the time they were having very active behavior. So I think that's like a big one is that kids are way more active outside. They get way more energy out. And actually, I I noticed this too, even when, so I was also uh, an after school teacher before, and you can totally tell the days when kids got lots of, went outside for recess and the days that they held them in because of rain. Oh, huge difference in their ability to like focus or, you know, because they hadn't gotten their energy out for the day. They hadn't gotten their exercise and they were, I mean, just not as focused. And I'm sure Kelly notices that too at her work.
2: Yeah, absolutely. There are studies to show that, that kids have the more self-regulation skills if they've been out, been exposed to green schoolyards. There's, there's just so much. But, you know, for my my own children, even as my, when my children were babies, if they were, if they were fussy, I would just step outside. There's something about the, the sensory input that kids get from being in nature. It's natural. It's the exact right amount of balance. So the that really shows as kids get older and they are working in schools where they're, you know, interacting with their families, they're able to focus better, they can plan ahead, they they have they can listen to directions, they can manage their emotions. All those things, they're real and they, they do show in, in, in different kinds of research.
0: Kelly, you work in... You work as an elementary school teacher. Is that right? I do, yes. So I have a question for you because I actually had a few people today kind of weighing in when I was talking about, you know, these <laughs> iPad compatible toys that are on the market right now. <laughs> and this mother reached out to me and she said, Oh my gosh, I wanted to tell you that I took my kids out of public school because apparently so Her child was in kindergarten and she was telling me that every single class that her child was in, they required an iPad, like iPad use during every class, like whether that was like playing a game related to the subject or whatever, even during PE where they had to like, I guess they were running laps and she said like they would run a lap and then they'd have to log it into their iPad. Hmm. Like, and I mean... I honestly was like so appalled. Like it was actually honestly hard to even like to even receive this information to be honest with you. Because I thought to myself, like, what's the goal of that? Like I'm yeah, I understand that we're growing up in a a different world than obviously what we grew up in, right? Like kids are going to have a lot more technology at their disposal. They need to know how to use it. Like we need to be teaching them computer science, like way more obviously than when we went to elementary school. And I get that. But I feel like it just having one class dedicated to that is more than enough to like require the use of ipad use for every class like are you seeing oh, that in yeah it's very interesting and and i haven't like i haven't experienced that in the schools here in connecticut i mean my kids do have a laptop they were given but it was given to them last year during covid because they were doing so much school from home they do still have them they they just have an assigned computer for the entire time they're in elementary school, but they don't use them that often. My, my daughter's like, I don't even ever really use mine. mom. They usually just sit on the charger. But I'm just curious to hear like what your experience has been as far as like that goes.
2: Yeah, it's so interesting. Of course, we want our kids to know how to use technology. They they do. But they're also learning that without us teaching that explicitly right now because it's omnipresent. I think a good rule of thumb is to use it as a tool rather than passive, something passive. But, uh, last year when everyone's learning remotely, it was necessity. And I think some children spent so much time on screens inside, not getting out, not exploring with their hands, not writing. Oh my goodness. The children are having a lot of struggles with writing this year. Um, but so a lot of, a lot of the teachers at, at my school where I work are trying not to use the computers very much this year because of that. We did take away some good, good things from, from this past year that, that teachers are still implementing, but there's balance and focusing on making sure our kids get outside during the day, focusing on making sure we have some outdoor learning opportunities, I think is a, a goal of much greater importance than right now than using technology, which they're getting passively just by living in the world we live in right now.
0: Yeah, I agree. I know it's hard. You, you think to yourself, I know you guys were saying the hours that, you know, is suggested by the Academy of Pediatrics as far as like how much hours kids should be outside. And it can be a really overwhelming number, you know, so you have a kindergartner and it's like three to five hours or whatever you had mentioned. It, it's like, when am I supposed to do that if they're in school from, you know, nine to three? And then, you know, we have dinner at five and then they go to bed at seven or what have you. But I do think that if we talked about it more and actually scheduling it in as opposed to like filling our schedule with all these other things, like I know extracurriculars are huge and sometimes it's nice just to like have a two hour block where it says nothing so that the kids can go outside and be bored and that that sort of thing. So (laughs) I don't know, Irene, if you have any other thoughts on that, if you want to add to it.
3: Yeah, well, I can say that our year has been very busy, and we did not get anywhere near the amount of outside time we have in past years where we were less scheduled or less pregnant than I was this year. So we almost had to take a step back and say, one, like, don't make yourself crazy trying to hit some number of hours, which was a good learning opportunity for me. Mm -hmm. And then also, where can you fill in in really simple ways? Like, if we have to clean the car, let's all go outside and clean the car out and make it an hour out of outside time, you know? If we have to get the mail, don't just stop at the mailbox as you pull in the driveway. Like, that can be a 20-minute outside activity, you know, with, with the right-age kids. So really just, one, stepping back, not trying to make yourself crazy, trying to hit a certain number of hours if that's making you crazy. And two, just fit it in, like... Get McDonald's and have a picnic on a blanket outside, or just keep it simple for yourself.
0: Yeah, I think that's important. And I think the other thing that I, I always get this question. And I don't know if you guys also get this a question a lot. It's always, well, they don't want to go outside. You know, they fight me. They're like, well, I, "What am I going to do outside? I don't want to go outside." And so, do you have? Do you guys have tips as far as you know, like that first step? Like, so say. Someone's listening to this and like, okay, I really want to take that next step and get my kids outside more, but they're kind of pushing back and they're like, "Well, I don't want to go outside right now. I want to do this inside." Or, uh, "What am I going to do outside? It's too cold. It's too rainy. It's too hot, or whatever." What are your What are your tips on that?
1: I would say try and find things that you know they would like. And actually, I had this struggle for a while with my when my child was three. There were months. Or he didn't want to go outside, despite that's something that's always been part of our schedule. And after a while, it was just like we had to incorporate the bike for everything because that's his like favorite thing. So I would say try and find some aspect that, that already interests them and just bring it outside. So if they like playing with, say, matchbox cars, bring those outside. They don't have to be inside toys. Right. You can bring them out, have them make a ramp, you know with materials they find outside or make a track in the sandbox, you know, bring something outside that they already like. And if you have older kids, you can maybe do some research together on like, oh, where's a cool place for us to go on an adventure? You can get their kind of like their buy-in and like, like, what is exciting? Should we go find someplace that has a waterfall? Do we want to find a new playground that we haven't been to before? So I would try and, involve them in the process as much as possible if they're really not into it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I would say sometimes we just have a meal or have a snack outside and it just turns into mm. being outside, whether mm-hmm. it's a park or a backyard. It just just jumpstarts our outside time and everyone wants to eat. <laughs> Let's do it outside.
0: Yeah, I'll say that like sometimes when we come, you know, we come back from school and I'll just be like, okay, well, I have a few chores to do outside so you guys can unpack your backpacks and then come back out and they're like, well, I want to stay inside and I'm like, well. You know, right now I'm doing some chores outside. You can do chores or you guys can find something else to do, but we're staying outside. And so they're like, okay, you know, they're like, okay, fine. And then, you know, 10 minutes will go by. I've already done my chores. I'm back inside, but they've already found something that they've completely gotten lost in outside. And then an hour goes by. So kids, you know, as long as you are able to get them out there, they typically... If they're used to being bored, like my kids are used to being real bored. Like <laughs> I don't entertain my kids. I um, you know, with four of them and we have a lot of animals and things like that. So I'm, you know, I'm like as a busy mom of four and with animal, like we're constantly doing chores, you know, so I'm I'm rarely like the mom that's like Playing all these games with my kids, I'm just not. And so they're like, okay, you know, like we're gonna go do this, and and they just get lost in that. And recently, they've been working on this, like they've built this whole path, like we live in the woods around the entire property, um, and like marked it with like trail markers and stuff. So they essentially wow. they're like own That's hiking so cool. path. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So it's just like you know, they're out there with like rakes and all this stuff. And I'm like, this is like, it's the coolest thing. But it it was definitely a kind of an adventure to get to this point. Like it wasn't always my kids, you know, had fun and, and from being bored, you know, like it's definitely something that I feel like they need to work up to if they're not used to that. So yeah. And I don't want you know, people listening kind of get frustrated because, you know, if you're trying to introduce more outdoor time and trying to introduce uh, like boredom to your kids, it's going to be really hard at first because they're not going to know what to do with it. You know, so it may be, you know, like you said, like choosing like some of their favorite toys and saying, listen let's just start by taking these and bringing them outside and using some of the outdoor stuff with our own toys and like seeing what we come up with, you know, and those first couple of times you might have to be with them, you know, like yeah. to kind of like aid in that. But I mean, from my experience of what I've seen in kids, and I don't know about you guys, but like they do kind of catch on pretty quick and it's really good for them.
2: It's so good to be bored. you learn. learned, you can just learn so much about yourself and creativity and uh those those nature is full of loose parts i think what you said about bringing the toy if you bring something that you love outside and then you use the other night loose parts what we call you know pine cones a- acorns sticks to do something else with they will play forever yeah it's, it's magic magic happens richard louver the art the author of last child in the woods which is kind of a Essential book, you must read it if you haven't yet. He talks about how nature amplifies time, and mm-hmm. technology kind of sucks it away. Mm-hmm. So I, it really feels like that when when kids well, get. Into I mean, groove. isn't that
0: true? Like what you said is just—it's like so profound because. If you think about it, if you go out on a hike or like a walk, you feel like you have all the time in the world. And then if you sit down and you scroll on your phone, you're like, "What the hell just happened in my last hour?" <laughs> so right? true. So yeah. True. It's so true. So true. So I mean, that was yeah. I'm sorry. I, like I had to just kind of jump on that. That was that's really something. I have that book actually on my shelf. I haven't read that one yet.
3: Lindsay, I have a question for you. So I didn't know you had four kids. Yeah. We have four kids as of a month ago. Congrats. <laughs> and you thank you. <laughs> it's a
2: lot.. It's um, <laughs> a lot.
3: <laughs> so you mentioned like the beauty of boredom, and we see that, you know, when my kids find that like creative flow where like you see they're bored and then you see them get interested in something, and then you see them just like get into that state where they're like creative and interactive and supporting each other's play. But, you know, like when you have like two or three kids in the mix, they also boredom can turn into like just kind of destructive behaviors. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you get the sense that part of it is just um, like trying to get the parents' attention maybe. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious, you know, you said like it took work to get to your kids being able to play like that. So I'm curious if you have tips on the good boredom, not the destructive boredom.
0: So I will say that I typically only see that type of destructive boredom when they're in the house.
2: Mm-hmm. I never
0: see that when they're outside. If they start, and it's usually just two culprits, like a combination of these of two <laughs> together, it's like the the ones that are closest in age. But whenever they start to amplify and they start to get loud, they're outside. I don't. My kids do not get to be the, their outdoor voices don't come inside. So the second they are, they I essentially kick them outside and I very rarely have had to like very rarely they come in they're like she did this or he did this like and and they're like fighting about something I never get that when they're outside it happens Mm -hmm. every day inside I don't know what it is I don't know if it's just close quarters or what have you but my advice in that particular situation would be to literally just kick them outside (laughs)
3: You know, I do, but then like the mom guilt sets in where I'm like, am I making outside
0: a punishment? You know, and like <laughs> I don't think I don't think so. I don't think so because you're encouraging them to play. You know what I mean? Like right. it's not you're like right. you're sending them to their room to sit and do nothing or whatever. You're, you're right. just you're you're saying and I think the way you word it too is probably means everything. So, you know, okay, we're using our outdoor voices and outdoor playing right. movements so that goes outdoors or whatever. Right,
3: absolutely, and probably catching it before it's—it's it's not like I don't know where it's headed, right? Right. So catching it before it gets to that next level where probably someone needs to take a break, exactly, and just just get it outside. That's that I like that a lot. Yeah. But you
2: know, yeah. we as adults, we also go outside for our mental health, right? We go out because we know it's going to make us feel better. A lot of people go on walks, daily walks, because it makes them feel better. You could also phrase it like being outside is good for you. I can tell that you need this and you need a break, right? We talked about time Mm -hmm. time outside rather than Mm timeouts. So, you know, phrasing it like that can be just a tool in their their little toolbox about how to deal with stressors. Absolutely.
0: So I know you had mentioned child-led hikes, and this might be a good time to talk about that because if, you know, if, If you're not a family that's typically having your kids outdoors a lot, I think a good way to introduce the outdoors might be to first start with something like a child-led hike just because it's something you're all doing together. They're kind of, from what I understand from the title, like kind of leading the group and It might be a good way to get your kids excited about being outside and then kind of taking baby steps to them kind of spending time out there more on their own um, and coming up with their own things to do. So I don't know who wants to kind of talk about this and, you know, like what's required and what you guys typically pack for these types of hikes, things like that.
1: Sure. So a childhood hike is kind of what it sounds like. Like you said, the, the kid is in charge sort of. The adult is going to pick where the hike happens and when. And then the kid's going to choose like the pace and how often we stop. And if there's a fork, you can say, well, you're in charge. Which way do you want to go? We just have to make sure we're all together. Uh, So wait at the fork so we can decide as a group. But the kids are the ones who decide, oh, we're going to go to the left today. And it's kind of nice for them because they get to be independent in a way. They're the ones who are in charge, which, you know, as a kid is really exciting because usually the adults are the only ones in charge. I think if you're looking to start child-led hikes for the first time, you want to find a place that, you know, has one of a couple things. You might want a smaller place so it's not like you're going to be suddenly a long way from where you parked or where you got off the bus to get there. Uh, you might want someplace that has interconnected loops so that there's lots of forks for them to choose. so They get to make lots of choices. Uh, you might want someplace that has like a water feature, like a pond, because those are like magnets for children. Mm-hmm. I don't know about your kids, Lindsay, oh, yeah. but.
0: <laughs> throwing water, sticks, magnet. throwing rocks, throwing. Right. I mean, they love it, especially in the winter. You can like mm-hmm. you can see how like you can we we do these like stick throwing Competitions where we, oh, yeah. yeah, we'll see who can throw the farthest stick across the ice. But yeah, it, there's so there's so much you can do with the water. Like the kids love it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Or you want to pick someone you just already are a little bit familiar with, or that is you know convenient for you. So that's kind of what a child had hike would look like. And like I said, the
2: kids love it because they get to be in charge to some degree. Before you go on though, because something that's really important about child led led hikes is it's very different from an adult, adult hike, they will go full speed ahead, you will actually be running, and then all of a sudden dead stop, because something piqued their interest. And so I think a big tip for trying a child -led, led hike is just to go with the flow. Don't, don't expect to cover ground. Really, they are in charge if they want to just stop and just play. We've gone on child-led hikes, the three of us together, that don't go past 20 feet <laughs> from, from, <laughs> from the parking lot. And it was not at all what we anticipated doing that day. But, but the kids had a ball. They were outside. They were engaging with nature and each other. And it was great for everyone. So I just wanted to just to jump in and re- make sure that we made that clear. <laughs> Yeah, that's really
1: important for to not expect it to look like an adult hike because it won't. <laughs> yeah, it's hike in the loosest sense of the word <laughs> possible.
0: Oh, my gosh. Okay, so your kids, are you are they bringing their own backpack? What are they wearing?
1: So I would assume they're going to get wet if there's water on the property or it's rained recently. So rain boots are usually a good idea. I usually put my kid in rain boots. and. I started, my kid started wearing his own backpack when he was two, but I wouldn't start, if this is your first childhood hike, I wouldn't maybe make them wear it the first time if they're that little, but he started wearing his own backpack around then that had his snack and his water in it. And that, that was about it. Maybe a shovel because that was, you know, a fun tool to have.
3: Yeah. And I don't think they need any special equipment, but you're wise to bring a change of clothes, I'd say.
1: Mm. And snacks. Snacks are very Mm, important.
0: I think it I mean, have you guys ever tried this where, you know, if your kids weren't like super keen on the idea, maybe like, I don't know, making it into like a, a scavenger hunt where like you make a list of things that you guys want to find beforehand or something like that?
2: We I've done lots lots of scavenger hunts with kids and it's great, especially if you if you don't go out very much and they don't know what to look for. But I would say that every time you go, kids are gonna find more more things to check out and be interested in. It's almost like a, a scavenger hunt would be a great opportunity to, to, to help them point out something new. But once they get into the groove of it, maybe you could make some of those for little kids, of course, uh, toilet paper roll binoculars just to make it a little bit more interesting for them. Or if they're a little older, bring actual binoculars or Jen mentioned the the shovel. So some kind of tool just, just for an extra something extra to keep their interest but i really the more you get out the more things there are to do and see and explore so i think that's a great idea to to kickstart it but eventually won't need it yeah so
0: like somebody asked specifically about child led hikes how do how do we keep them interested so you know we kind of talked about getting them to the actual spot, maybe just, you know, telling them, Hey, this is going to be something that, I mean, kids for the most part, I would imagine most of them are going to be like, well, I get to lead the hike. Like this is just like, (laughs) you know, so that in and of itself is probably great. You can also make it into like, okay, well, let's make a list of things we want to find. But like, what about, you know, do you have any tips as far as like, if you're in the middle of the hike and they're like, I don't want to do this anymore, or, you know, like this is boring or, or what
2: have you. It's been a while since snack. I think we oh, Snack. Sorry. <laughs> You're so right though, Irene. <laughs> snack. That's a good always a good option. Snack.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, definitely snack. If they're lagging, snack. Bored, snack.
2: <laughs> but I think we don't, you know, we don't get it that much anymore because uh, we can kind of start seeing it, then we start singing a song or mm-hmm. play I spy. Or did you just see something? Did you see that that tree rustle over there. It was bigfoot. What do you think it is? <laughs> I was going to go in the direction of uh, let's let's follow the squirrel, but you could also play bigfoot. That would also be really fun, <laughs> very creative and imaginative. <laughs> oh, gosh,
1: I've definitely played follow the unicorn or something with Irene's kids before. So yeah, I know mythical yeah, creatures absolutely. totally like, work. <laughs> mythical tree. I love. They it. do.
3: Rocks are dragon eggs. If kids start getting bored, like incorporating magic was so good for at least my age kids, you know, those four five, six-year-olds.
0: So I, I know how I would answer this one, but how do you handle the outdoor bathroom situation?
1: <laughs> that is a great question.
2: <laughs> my daughter uh, learned to um, use the, what I call the tree potty when she was potty training. I, I actually brought one of those little kitty potties with us on one of our explorations, and she... She didn't really need it. I just use use the tree pot. So it is. There is possible. It is possible. But what were you going to say?
3: Get comfortable with it. It's okay. Yeah, it's totally it. fine. I mean,
0: we I mean, we all just. Yeah, P and nature. <laughs> Apparently, they do make. We were in. A, I just went for a hike with my girlfriends up in uh, where was it in New Hampshire? New Hampshire, and oh. we were on the trail, and you know, had to use the bathroom, and so I go over, I use the bathroom, and my friend, A also was like, Hey, Lindsay, you know, they make these things now. And I'm uh-huh. like, what is she talking about? Yeah. They're like these contraptions that you pee into and it like directs all your pee into like one clean, simple stream or something. I don't know. But anyways, apparently like they're great for kids. But my kids, I just taught them to do that deep, deep, deep squat and just make sure there's no poison ivy and call it a day. And it's a, it has never, never been an issue. So yeah.
1: That's yeah. what we do too. We had a follower
0: that messaged us
3: and pointed out that skirts are really great for girls, I guess women as well, to use the bathroom outside, which is totally true. And little boys, too, and any other kid, I guess I should say. But skirts, helpful for Using the
0: bathroom outdoors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, actually, my five, my, well, she's six now. She won't wear leggings without a skirt because it's not feminine enough. For her. <laughs> so she adds, she adds a skirt to every pair of pants. So like when we go on a hike, she is in a skirt, but she also has like leggings on. So yeah, but it's great. Cause it's like this, this natural like cover. Yeah. You know, when she's using the, using the restroom.
1: I think also all three of us have one of those like folding car, uh, folding, like Kitty potty things that sit oh, yeah, in our yeah. trunk, so that if we're at a place when we get back, because usually by the parking lot there's less spots that are like private, then we can set one of those up in our cars.
0: Yeah, those those are great. So this is a really good question because I um, still have issues with this, most likely just part of like my postpartum anxiety, but. How to get over your own anxiety about kids hurting themselves? So being the mom that's like, oh, careful! Oh, wait! Oh, be careful! Oh, wait! Wait! Watch out for that! And like just being this like kind of like nagging bug in their ear every five seconds about everything they're doing. That used to be me like hard hardcore with like my first, you know, just kind of like really on top of her everything she did, you know. And it really does affect them, and as far as like them challenging themselves to see what they can actually do and all of those things. So I've really tried to take a backseat when it comes to that, but I still find myself, you know, (laughs) yelling out like, be careful. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, Oh, crud, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, but like, do you have any like tips as far as that goes?
3: I think start young would be my biggest tip. Like as young as you can bear to be letting your infant, roll around and explore physical space and learn about how their body works in relation to physical space and like if that means you let your little baby like roll over onto their face for a moment and like feel uncomfortable and then you say like I'm here like I'm going to help you roll back but just kind of getting used to them being a little uncomfortable and then like Kelly had a little her little guy was learning to climb stairs and you know, she posted a video where she just kind of had her hands floating behind him Mm -hmm. and it was like two or three stairs outside. Like if he fell, it was a reasonable amount of distance to fall and her hands were there to protect him from bumping his head. But he was getting all the advantage of learning about his body and about space and, just kind of as you can keep doing that and like you're there to kind of provide that support or safety if needed, but you don't need to be commenting a whole lot. And you're getting the idea that like, okay, they might bump a little bit, but this little bump now is going to teach them a lot about avoiding bigger bumps in the future.
2: Yes, that's exactly it. I mean, just seeing it like you're investing in avoiding bigger problems later on because they're building that, those motor skills, they're learning to, to like, manage the risk, you know, and then the self-confidence. They're so just so proud when they do one of these really hard things on their own. So, yeah, I, I think we try to give some space and, and we try, of course, I think every parent says, be careful. Sometimes we're, we all do. Oh, for sure. We try not to. Mm-hmm. And we try just to maybe count in our heads before we, we intervene and just see what they're actually capable of.
0: Yeah. I can't remember where I read this or, or, was talking with somebody, but I really liked this, what she had to say. She said, you know, like when your child's outside and, you know, if they're, you know, running on ice, for example, or something ridiculous, that's obviously super dangerous. You can say instead of like, Oh, be careful on the ice or, you know, yelling, you know, yelling out, be careful, you know, it's icy. Just saying, you know, Hey, George, it's really icy out. And, you know, when we're running across the ice, it can be really slippery underneath our feet. So, you know, and just kind of like almost kind of just talking about like what the what their surroundings are and describing them kind of makes them think, "Oh, okay, there's ice mm-hmm. underneath my feet. It can be slippery. I'm running." I so kind of like almost having them go through the thought process rather than for for you know us to be like shouting, "Be careful," because it kind of just makes the kids stop and then like almost like not want to do anything and it kind of like freezes them up. So I thought that was really good like or if you know they're I don't know, they're like balancing up on something and you can just say, "Oh, you know, there's this thing over here." be aware of, you know, just like basically being aware of their surroundings as as opposed to like the
1: why is really important. Yeah. So that they can use that information later. Right. So I always point out when we're at like rocks, like uh, near the beach, I always point out to my son like, oh, the black and green ones are slippery. I don't tell him to be careful necessarily, but I'm reminding him that though that that's what that means that means those rocks are slippery So actually the last time we were at the beach he's like oh mom those rocks are slippery which you know that's from ages of me saying that but i didn't have to tell him be careful because now he knows that that those color rocks have algae on them they're slippery i should be careful on those
0: and they're learning a lot more when you say that right Right. because but but you know you could just be saying be careful but you might not be explaining why so then the next time they go to that same place or experience the same thing they're not going to be careful because they don't know why they needed to be careful.
3: Yeah. I think sometimes when you're standing back, you can feel like you're not doing your job as a parent or caretaker. Mm -hmm. If you are like letting them fall or letting them make their own decision. But if you have a mindset of like, you are being intentional about letting your child have risky play and they are getting benefits from it. And there's research to support the benefits that they're getting. You know, I'm trying to remember the study that said, talked about like how they're actually learning motor skills Mm -hmm. they're gaining self-confidence and then they're gaining the ability to make better risk assessment in the future basically so you're being intentional about those skills basically you're not just standing back
0: yeah so there are a ton of questions uh about like what temperature is too cold to send your kids outside Mm -hmm. and you know i don't think there's like i don't think there's a set you know temperature where it's like don't send them out if it's this degree you know <laughs> yeah obviously schools do implement certain rules because i mean they have to for i'm sure for for all different types of just purposes but because they don't want to be sued i'm sure for for something happening like if it's like below a certain degree and then of course ice and it gets dangerous and things like that but what do you all think as far as you know how low it'll go before you guys will say like oh we're not going to go out today
3: personally I think if if I feel like I would enjoy being outdoors, then we go outdoors. If it's very cold and I wouldn't enjoy it and I don't want to put on all those layers, we don't. If it's a whole cold snap, then we kind of have to face it at some point getting out with them. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like we've had a temperature that's so low that we can't go out for a little bit, you know, where we live in the Northeast. Except, you know, maybe a baby we'd be a little more slow and careful with.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I think there's even in the, the coldest temperatures that I've had, I think maybe in the last four years, there were only two or three days where I would definitely not go outside just at all, but just for a little bit of time, five minutes, 10 minutes in the, in the frigid cold. It's kind of fun to see what it feels like, play, play with ice, like do some of those experiments, see how, how quickly the water freezes. What does your breath feel like? I think all those things are good experiences within reason and then, you know, monitoring body temperature and, and coming in when you're cold.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Even doing, you know, I always get my kids out when it's really cold because I always say, well, we're going to warm up by the fire with hot chocolate afterwards. And they're like, we're outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Having the outside fire. so nice.
0: Hot chocolate.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it oh, is, but
0: yeah, I mean, it, it's easy to get the kids out when there's snow on the ground because, you know, they can do a million things with the snow I and mean, they love it. But it can be difficult when it's like frigid and there's not a drop of snow on the ground because you're like, okay, well, go play outside. And they're like, well, everything's frozen, <laughs> you know.
2: But it, it does usually seem worse than it actually – I mean, granted, there are very cold temperatures. But it usually seems worse than it really is because yeah. if you bundle up properly. Usually we think it's so cold because we're just running to our car or we're running from a store to, you know, just to another store. We're not properly dressed. But when you when you take care to bundle up, you can you can be more comfortable in cold weather and so can the children. And it's great. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. And like for me, just having a pair of windproof pants, windproof and waterproof pants, like a little shell that I could throw on over even just jeans or leggings, make a huge difference in how much time I can spend with my kids outside. It's a coat for your legs. It yeah, <laughs> yes. always... really helps. <laughs> they don't look cool. They don't look cool. it <laughs> uh... will keep your butt warm. Yeah, we always oh, tell goodness.
2: parents to make sure that they buy the gear for themselves because we pay so much attention to purchasing good clothing for our Kids are finding good clothing that's going to keep our kids warm, but then we forget our own mittens, you know. Uh-huh. Let alone purchase or make investments in keeping ourselves comfortable.
3: And I think also like with babies, you know, even when we're outside hiking together, the three of us, like one of us is often wearing a child, and you know, you start to question yourself after like an hour. You're like, is his, are these little legs cold or feet or his nose cold? Like, I, I think. When you have a little one like that that can't communicate, just be kind to yourself. And if you're not feeling comfortable, you know, go inside, get warm. It's all good.
0: Yes. So there, there's a few questions here about getting both your newborn and toddler out together. Do you guys have tips on this? Reduce expectations.
3: Just like if you even make it to the car or like outside. And then you have to turn back. You still did it. (laughs) And yes, also remember, it's just a stage and you don't have to do everything perfectly at every single stage or everything according to your own expectations. And then I think strollers and baby wearing are really, really great. And depending on what one is more comfortable for you or where you're going, having a newborn can be a really great time to get out with your toddler. For
0: sure. Yeah.
3: It feels good. It's worth a try. So lower those expectations.
0: And I I have, I mean, obviously, like you said, the newborn age, honestly, until like, I would say six or eight months, like, is perfect because I would just bring my babies out and baby wear them and they would just figure it out. And now it can be a little bit more difficult once they're like up and walking because they get really like they get FOMO being in the baby carrier. So I'll actually (laughs) plan to go like when it's going to be nap time. And I know that sounds like... Counterintuitive. Like, why would I do that to myself? But
2: oh, that's um, excellent. (laughs) Yeah.
0: yeah, Because, like, I'll pop this is my first baby to take a pacifier, my fourth and final. And so I'll pop in that passy, and she, um, she has actually trained now where she knows that she's going in the carrier and she falls right asleep. It's so bizarre. It's like so crazy. Yeah. But baby wearing is like your best friend. Like, I feel like. Babies, first of all, they they love it. I mean, what could they not love about it? Like, this is where they spent the last nine months, you know, and you know, especially when they're that young age, and -hmm. you can have both hands free, you know, if your baby wearing properly, and it's yeah, it's like a win win. Uh, Let's see here. Let's just do like one more here. So I, I have a couple people that are like really concerned. I mean, obviously, this is going to depend a lot on where you live, but concerned about. Animals like outside here in Connecticut, I can say, like, I'm not like, I don't think I've ever been like, oh, I'm nervous that we might come across. I mean, we have tons of wild animals here. You know, we have deer and we have bear and we have, you know, all kinds of coyotes, fisher cats, things like that. We actually saw a fisher cat the last time we were on a hike. But do you guys ever like run into any animals on your hikes or anything like that? Do you carry anything with you?
1: I feel like around here where we live in New England, there's not a ton of things I worry about running into. Uh, We don't live far enough north where we're worried about bears or moose, and there's only two venomous snakes near us, uh, and they're not very common. So, But my advice would be to find out what animals you should be concerned about for your area, and maybe you learn that by going to a nature center and talking to people or Googling for your area and then find out what you should do if you run into those animals. I'm, Like I said, I'm not super concerned in our area, um, but other places are. Like if you have bears, you should be looking up, what do I need to do if I run into one on the trail so that you feel confident in that scenario? Because different species of bears also, there's different things you need to do for those so yeah, it like you said, it varies a lot by area, but I would spend some time maybe do some research so you feel more comfortable about what you might run into uh, and what you need to do in those scenarios.
2: If you find out which which species species should you be most concerned about, what to do in the scenario that you encounter them, and then you can go with other people to make yourself feel more comfortable, I think I think that's a really good idea. so. Like Jen said we don't have a lot of snakes in our area but Jen knows how to identify them really well. So when I see a snake I might might have in the past kind of kind of freaked out honestly <laughs> but Jen will Jen will just tell us what kind it is. We don't need to worry about it. So that knowledge is power I think.
3: Jen did you have like some I feel like you were sharing something about
1: the shark statistics on the cape. Oh yeah. So I know sharks is a big one that bother people a lot, but shark attacks are like exceedingly rare. Like the average deaths in the US from sharks is usually zero per year. Like most years there's zero.
0: I was so- gonna add that like in the whole US, like I don't know, if you were to look up like animal attacks from like people going on hikes, I, I feel like it's gotta be I I mean, I could be totally talking out of my ass right now, right? Like there could be a, but I just, I don't think there is. No, you're
1: totally
2: right. No, no, that's absolutely true.
1: It is very low, but you might feel better if you come prepared with the information or you're going with someone else. Like that, that will maybe help you feel better if you know what to do or you're with people who know what to do. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it is not very common.
2: No. Yeah, that's such an important point. (laughs) Yes. I don't know why I didn't
1: start with that. But yes, not very common. (laughs)
3: Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And even, like, it it goes back to injuries outside. Like, I don't know about you three ladies, but for me, my kids' worst injuries, most of them, with the exception of one, have all been indoors. Like, silly injuries indoors, not outside play.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
3: So, I think sometimes we think,
0: like, "Oh, outside is dangerous or riskier, but no, it's it's so good for them to build their resilience and all that. I am going to we're gonna do I ask these two questions to all my interviewees, so each one of you is going to have to answer it. So, the first question is it doesn't have to do with the topic today. It can be about anything. So the first question is, If you could give one piece of advice to moms, what would it be? And then the second question, so you can just, we'll just do each person and you can just answer both at once. The second question is, if you could make one meal that's rather quick and easy that you know your entire family will eat, what would it be?
2: Well, my advice to moms is that motherhood is not perfect and a lot of we can we can think that people around us are doing things perfectly. We can think that Instagram has has a recipe for motherhood and what it's supposed to look like, but it looks different to everyone and just to give yourself grace because it can be hard.
3: My advice would be for parents is just remember like if you're struggling with something right now, just remember that kids are changing all the time and they're going through different phases all the time and If it's not working for you, just take a step back and try again in three to six months if it's something that you really want to do, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you might come at it with some very different kids and it might be a lot better.
1: And my advice would be is that you get lots of advice (laughs) from parents all the time, from other parents, from other people all over the place. And I think the thing to remember is that they're sharing what worked for them and their family that you should kind of pick through that and be like, well, this looks, this seems like the thing that'll work best for me that it's okay to ignore, you know, whatever doesn't work for you. And find good mom friends. (laughs) Yes.
2: I know my meal, pizza. Pizza, (laughs) my whole family will eat. We eat every Friday with something to look forward to. it's become like a, ritual and everyone enjoys it. Yeah. Pizza.
3: Yes. I think chili is probably our winner. Put it in the crock pot in the morning. And I mean, even my pickiest eater will eat the large beans out of the chili.
0: Do you like have them like, do they get to like top theirs off with like toppings like cheese and sour cream and and that sort of thing? Or
3: Yeah, if the fridge is stocked Mm -hmm. and I have the energy to sweep cheese and wipe (laughs) up sour (laughs) cream, then (laughs) yeah, (laughs) sweep cheese. (laughs) You know it. If you wait till the morning, it's crunchier and it sweeps easier.
0: (laughs) Wait, that might be the best tip of the whole show. (laughs) is to just leave it there so that it's crunchy. You know, there was something else. Oh, these like little mini, mini, mini pastas. I've never made this pasta before and it has a name, but I can't remember because I'm not Italian, but it's like these tiny little like pasta, like, things. And apparently my friend was like, Oh yeah, they're really good. But then, you know, if they, if they drop all over the floor, they're, they're like a nightmare because they're like super mushy and they're so small. You can't pick them up. And she's like, just leave them there for a couple days and they'll get hard, <laughs> And then you just like vacuum them all up. And it's like a piece of cake. Cause they're like little rocks. And I'm like, oh, that's
2: actually- so funny.
0: <laughs> you are not the first person to
3: tell me that. The first person to tell me that, like, raised her infant son in Italy for, like, the first year of his life. And an Italian neighbor told her that.
0: Oh, my gosh. So- that's so funny. <laughs> this is a real thing now. Uh,
3: <laughs> I feel like you might need to interview her next. <laughs> my
0: gosh, that's hysterical. Oh, that's great. Yeah, uh, we we have a dog for that. That yeah, like, that's, yeah, that's, the that's best. what my house does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, hey, Winston. And he's he just cleans it all up. Although he does a sloppy job sometimes. You know, I'm like today I made salmon with rice and asparagus, whatever. So I, I was chopping it up for the baby and I put it on her plate and she's in the, the throwing food phase, which is uh, my worst. least <laughs> favorite phase of the entire, of everything. Okay. Of <laughs> everything. I cannot stand it. So I put it all on her tray. And like for maybe a minute, she's doing the taste test, whatever. And then she just like, no. And she like took both hands and she just, you know, you see it coming from like across the kitchen and it's like, no, in slow motion, you know, like trying to run over and like you never actually make it in time. And she just takes both hands and just takes all the salmon and rice. Rice is the worst. Let's be honest, right? It goes all over the dining room, like the entire tray of food. The dog just didn't he, – he just doesn't do rice very well. Like rice is not his his strong suit. So there's still rice all over the floor. I'm going to wait until <laughs> it hardens. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. There was somebody that didn't answer the dinner question, and I want to hear it. Somebody.
1: Me. Hey, so yeah. Rajma is probably really popular in my house. What? My husband. Yes. Yeah. So my husband is Indian. and rajma is a curry that's made with kidney beans and it's my husband and son's favorite meal it's not my favorite Mm. meal but i like it so that one's not too difficult and Mm. everyone eats it
0: nice (laughs) yummy all right well thank you ladies so much for taking the time out tonight to hang out and chat about being outdoors and, and hikes and all that it was great yeah thank you for
1: having us
0: Thanks so much. It's fun.
1: This is great.
0: Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes on lindsayandco.com. To continue these important conversations, head over to Motherhood Meets Medicine on Instagram. Let me know what you learned from this episode and who you would love to hear from next. I always love getting feedback from you. If you're finding value in this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. This will help us to reach even more women from around the world. I'll catch you next week. Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug, unwind, and have a little fun. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death